Hello, everyone. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for uh, spending some time with us today. Uh, I'm going to do a quick overview of the agenda, and then we're going to dive right in. Um, so for the people that are on uh, the call today, so this is um, uh, this session is uh, part of our Crisis to Resilience series. Um, and uh, we are we're focusing today on small business recovery. Um, I want to first start by acknowledging that where I'm recording from, I'm recording on the uh, traditional territory of the Algonquin and Anishinaabe people. And as I mentioned, our focus today is on the turning point that we are at for Canada's small businesses. Over the course of this pandemic, it has become abundantly clear that small and medium-sized businesses, the backbone of Canada's economy, are being hardest hit by this pandemic. And so building out of this moment of crisis to hopefully greater resilience for SMBs across the country is going to take a lot of work, uh, a lot of partnerships, a lot of new thinking, and a true embrace of the digital transformation that is happening in our economy. And so that's why we are here today. And so to help us, we have really a perfect panel to do that. So as you can see, we're going to spend some time doing um, a, a, a panel chat uh, to start we're going to get to your questions um, as quickly as we can. But as I mentioned, we have the perfect panel, I think, for this conversation, uh, starting first and foremost with the Honourable Mary Ng, Canada's Minister of Small Business, Export Promotion and International Trade. Minister Ng was first elected in 2017, where she represents the good people of Markham Thornhill. And she has over 20 years of experience working in education, women's leadership, job creation and entrepreneurship. Uh, entrepreneurship. Minister Ng, it's good to have you here. It's perfect to be here. Joining Minister Ng is Sabrina Jeremia. She's the VP and Country Manager for Google in Canada. Sabrina leads the strategic direction for Google's cross-functional business strategy and Google's advertising business. She is a board member, uh, or she is a member of the Business Council of Canada on the board of the Future Skills Centre, and most recently was the 2020 recipient of Women in Communications and Technology. Um, and she has uh, been recognized as Canada's uh, one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women. Sabrina, hello. Hello. Next is Dax De Silva. Dax, you've had a big week, so thank you very much for, for joining us here today. Uh, Dax is the creative mind behind Lightspeed, Never Apart, and Age of Union. Founded in 2005, Lightspeed develops uh, a cloud commerce platform used by complex retail and hospitality uh, industry customers in over 100 countries. Uh, and both DAX and the company's mission is to bring cities and communities to life by powering independent business. DAX, hello. Next is Tabitha Ball. So Tabitha Ball, um, it's good to see you. You're the president and CEO of the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business. Uh, Tabitha is Anishinaabe and is a proud member of the Nipissing First Nation near North Bay, Ontario. Uh, at the CCAB, Tabitha works with Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal businesses to help strengthen and uh, strengthen a prosperous Indigenous economy and Canadian market. She is also a member of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce Board and the Canadian Advisory Group to UN Women who are promoting women's economic empowerment through responsible business. Tabitha, hello. And finally, Neil McLaughlin, uh, as Group Head of Personal and Commercial Banking at the Royal Bank of Canada. Neil is responsible for RBC's banking businesses in Canada and Caribbean, including personal and commercial financial services credit card payments, digital solutions, as well as RBC sales and branch distribution operations and advice centers. Neil, good to see you. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me. 
So as I mentioned, we've got a really packed program. Um, as I mentioned, we're going to get to your questions as, uh, if, if, as quickly as we can. But I, I wanted to start uh, first and foremost by, by looking back. Um, we are nine months into this pandemic, but very early on in the crisis, we realized that small businesses were going to be incredibly hard hit by lockdowns, disruptions, and shifts in consumer behavior. The federal government, largely through yourself, Minister Ng, has responded in kind with various support programs and initiatives. So before we dive into what's next, I thought a good place to start would be to, to look back. So uh, Minister Ng, I'll start with yourself. As you reflect on the course of this crisis uh, has taken, you know, what have we learned? What have you learned? Well, thank you so much, Alex. And uh, it's terrific to be here with uh, a very esteemed panel to, uh, to dive into uh, this terrific series that Canada 2020 has put forward. Um, and uh, and as we reflect back, I'll sort of take everyone back to sort of at the very beginning of 2020 when COVID-19 absolutely was emerging uh, in, uh, you know, in, in other parts of the world. And, and, uh, and almost immediately, I mean, we started working with businesses. We've always been working with businesses, but immediately started working with them to look at how do we actually make sure that that consumer confidence continues to be for our small businesses across the country because we were already starting to see that we needed to think about how best to uh, assist our small businesses and start convening and bringing people together. And almost immediately, um, you know, COVID-19 was at our doorsteps and the approach that the government of Canada took was really simple. We're going to support Canadians because the fight that we needed to fight was getting ahead of COVID-19, prevent the spread of COVID-19, and making sure that in doing so, Canadians were supported. And because small businesses are literally 98%, if you add medium-sized businesses, they're 99% of all businesses across the Canada. So of course, they're in every single community, in every city, and uh, and we absolutely need to support them because they were being asked to close down. So the things that we heard from businesses loud and clear um, to weather this, we need to keep our people together. So we need to keep them on our payroll, despite the fact that uh, that our revenues are dropping. We need to, we have bills we have to pay. We still have to pay for those fixed costs. We still have to pay for rent. So we need that help. And we have, we need working capital. We need to have that liquidity. It's not coming in through revenue. So we've got to be able to have it. So you see all in our programs right all early on, I mean, the SIBA program and, you know, the RBC is here. So thank you so much. I mean, to, you know, the Canada's financial institutions and the banks and the credit union, we have to work with them to sort of say, how do we get quickly, um, a lending program, a small business lending program, and then a range of larger lending programs to businesses who just needed that immediate liquidity. And over 800,000 businesses, I mean, think about that, small businesses across the country have access $40,000 of interest-free loans. Um, so that was helping. Doing things like deferral in terms of deferring customs duties payments and GST payments and that sort of thing so that cash flow was staying in the businesses' accounts rather than submitting them to government making sure that the wage subsidy that we took to 75% because we knew that if businesses were able to keep together with their employees, that that road to recovery was going to be one that was, that had a more fighting chance. So that's where we are. Um, you know, that's where we started. That's where we are today. We've listened to businesses to pivot. If I think about at the height of this, when this first started, my department had a daily call literally thousands of businesses and the organizations that represent businesses, whether it is chambers of a range of industry associations, um, but businesses uh, but businesses who are on there who are just needing to talk to us and us needing to listen, 
and then us getting that feedback is going. And we still have those. I mean, we still have those calls twice a week. In fact, I was just on the call speaking to hundreds of businesses on the uh, Tuesday call uh, this week, talking to them about the fall economic statement and giving business an update. But also, again, even month, month later, Liz Khan had direct access to me and my team and my department to listen to businesses. So that was hugely important as well. In addition to, of course, you know, the many organizations that uh, that represent businesses and then partnering. We just found ways to have to partner because not only are you pivoting, but you're partnering. So whether it is the post promise that, uh, you know, that is with the Canada Business Council that had Beaumont at the Retail Council, the CFIB. I mean, just partnering the, um, you know, Canada United that RBC has been a part of working with the chambers to create these opportunities and these supports for businesses all around the country. So I would say listening make to, so that we can adapt our support programs, making sure that those support programs are there. And of course, we've committed, we're going to have them there until uh, until next summer, because uh, this is going to be a tough winter, and, uh, and making sure that we find partnerships. So that's what we've done all the way along, and I expect we're going to keep doing that. Well, let, let's let's go around the horn here. And you, you referenced RBC and Neil. Neil, let's go to you. Uh, as you look back over the course of, of this crisis, what what have you learned and what have you heard? Yeah, thanks for that. And uh, listen, I think the first thing we've heard uh, or we've learned, and we've seen a lot of media about this, is this idea of a K-shaped economy. It's the same thing in small business and uh, small and medium business. Is that there are certain sectors that are obviously under tremendous amount of pressure. Um, they're the ones that we would, you know could instantly think of. It's street-level retail, it's the restaurant industry and indoor dining, it's tourism, it's entertainment. Um, some folks may not know, but healthcare practitioners, our dentists were some of the hardest hit early on, um, fuel station owners. So those sectors are been, you know, really impacted in a severe way. You know, other things, for example, everyday spending is actually up. So things, whether it's you know, grocery and pharmaceuticals, are actually up. And you know, things around home improvement, as the human behavior of take care of today, get into my daily routine. So different sectors have been impacted in a very different way, um, I think is the first thing we've learned. Um, the second thing we've learned is that, you know, an awful lot of small business uh, owners are very, very tied to their physical premises. And that is the reality. If you look at the sectors we just talked about, that's a reality. If you operate street-level retail, that is the, you know, the epicenter of your business. And with the lockdown measures that obviously need to take place to, to combat the virus, that made doing business exceptionally tough. And you know, we, we did a recent survey, and al almost half, about 47% of, of small business customers, still don't have a website. So without an, an online and digital presence, it's very hard, even when you have those local communities willing to support those small businesses and be dealing with that, you know, their, their, their community. If they're not online, if they're not enabled, that makes that very, very difficult. And I guess the last thing we have learned um, is that you know the entrepreneurial spirit is alive and well, and that despite everything we've had go on, um, you know the entrepreneurial spirit will make its way through. And we have uh, about 65% of our customers that have been surveyed said I still feel optimistic about the future of my business. I think some of you know what we're going to talk about today is you know how do we help them take advantage of that optimism? How do we help them with the bridge that's been started to a more normalized economy? A lot of the pillars of that bridge laid out by Minister Ingram. Well, you mentioned digital, you mentioned uh, spirit of entrepreneurship. Um, I can't think of a better person to go to next than Sabrina. Sabrina, um, as, as, as you look back on uh, the course of this pandemic and, and its impact on small businesses, you know, what have your, been, what have your thoughts, what have your reflections been? 
Yeah, thank you. And you know, when we look back, I mean, right at the beginning, similar to what uh, Minister Ng said, we, we looked at this and, and, and small businesses are the heart of our economy and it's just so important to support them right now. And it has been an incredibly difficult year for small businesses. Um, what Neil said about the 47% still don't have a website, I think that's just like the heart of the opportunity in that digital is a lifeline for many of these businesses going forward. And we're seeing consumer and, and you know customer behavior shifting and that people are doing things like 600 increases and searches near me. They want to find curbside pickup, all of these different things. And if you go for a walk on any high street where you live, you see every single storefront now is turning into this omni-channel presence that just simply didn't exist six months ago. So I'll just tell you one little story. I did go for one of my little, I call them kind of anthropology kind of walks to go and support our local businesses. And I did a curbside pickup of a woman named Laura Friel. Um, she has a preserve business. She sells these lovely little jams with interesting flavors. And she now sells them online. And when I talked to her, she said that, you know, six months ago, she was not set up or equipped to do this. Uh, but she discovered this program, Shop Here, Digital Main Street. And they paired her with a student who actually helped her put her business online. And she had about a couple of weeks to work with this person. The entire business is online. And now she is selling beyond her Main Street to people across Toronto in a way that she didn't before. And for those of you who don't know, we made a million-dollar contribution to this. And this is about building a free website for every small business. And, and Neil, to your point, it's getting that other half of small businesses activated. Because these habits of omni-channel retailing, but also restaurants and beyond, these digital habits are going to stick as we bridge to post-pandemic. So investing now and getting this right is really important. Tabitha, I want to go to you next. Um, uh, you work with the uh, many Indigenous businesses, and um, I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts and your reflections and what you've learned about how this pandemic is having an impact on Indigenous businesses. Thank you, and uh, thanks for having me, of course, and for the land acknowledgement. It's uh, much appreciated. Uh, you know, we definitely learned that um, government, and definitely through Minister Ng, um, was really there to roll out programs very quickly. Um, unfortunately, there were a number of programs that Indigenous businesses were not eligible for, just for the way that they were structured. Um, we did attend those daily calls, and they were very helpful in order to get information to small businesses. But I think um, it just really struck home the amount of information that was coming and how small businesses were just trying to understand where the programs were and how they could apply. So really, um, for us, it really showed us just the role and the importance of the role that associations can play to support small businesses. And then also, as Ministering talked about that feedback loop, that us having to go back and advocate for some of those, those subsidies and programs to be changed to ensure that Indigenous businesses could apply. And, and that did happen. It took a little longer to get that um, money in and ensure that businesses were eligible, but the government did listen. It just really, um, you know, I think one learning is that we really need to ensure that we're, when we're looking at programs, developing programs, that we're looking at how all people can access those programs. Um, and I think from a digital perspective, uh, I think we've all really seen how this pandemic has um, demonstrated the gap in social economic conditions in this country. Um, there are so many great programs um, out 
to in order to move to e-commerce, but we know that 31% of First Nation households don't have high-speed internet, um, and even businesses that are in rural and remote locations really can't take advantage of that e-commerce platform. So really pleased to see an acceleration of uh, investment in broadband. Um, but those type of things, you know, things that you you know, and particularly in my role uh, working and advocating for these businesses, uh, you know, but there were really some days where it really struck home that just the, the gaps that we need to fill. Thank you very much, Tabitha. Uh, Dax, I, I, I want to go to you next. Um, and, uh, and, and you've obviously had a, a, had a big week with, with Lightspeed. Um, and obviously, it's a big uh, season for, for retail. Um, but, but chart the course for me, um, you know, you, you think thoughtfully about these things. Like, what have you, what have you learned? What, what's something that's, that's really stuck with you? Yeah, so we, you know, at Lightspeed, we serve retail and hospitality um, around the world, uh, but we, we do have a, a big customer base here in Canada. We saw the, the impact of, of the pandemic as, uh, as the lockdowns affected uh, the European countries. And so we saw gross transaction volume just fall through the floor uh, in one weekend. Uh, so we had we had a preview of what was to come, um, you know, here in North America and then later in, in other countries. Um, I think that the federal government's response has been been amazing. Uh, Minister Ng and, and her colleagues are to be commended um, because the, the businesses needed that that uh, support to be able to pivot. Uh, you know, that that that's um, that's something that we saw happen uh, as a request overnight, you know, um, we saw in March and April a um, 400% increase in e-commerce. We saw people requesting to enable the, the digital channels in Lightspeed, uh, which, you know, uh, as, as was mentioned earlier, many people are very tied to their physical businesses uh, and spend a lot of uh, a lot of the tooling that, that we offer uh, to, to build up those those physical um, operations, uh, but haven't built out the digital channels. So that happened, you know, very rapidly, and by April. Three quarters of our customers were doing transactions with their customers in some way, uh, so that that just uh, that just underlines the resilience of small business. Um, and when given a bridge, which the federal government has done, in it to, to be able to bridge to, um, to to the future of having both physical and digital, um, you know, uh, providing revenue uh, for, for these businesses, I do think I agree with Sabrina. I do think that omnichannel will change the way that. That, uh, that Canadian uh, small business thinks about the future. And I think that they should be bigger businesses coming out of this. Uh, one of the, the signs of hope that we have is we can, you know, because our business is so diversified and we have we're, we operate across so many different verticals, we can see a little bit of the future. We can see what's happening in countries that have seen the reopening, uh, uh, countries like Australia and South Africa. And so we can see the patterns of adoption of digital tools. We can see what kinds of businesses are being, new business models are being opened, how existing businesses are transforming. And so um, I think it's, it's ultra important that, uh, that the work that the, the government is doing to help our businesses uh, make it to that moment uh, where that reopening is going to be, I think, a great surge in demand. Uh, one of the great stats that, uh, that I've seen recently is that Canadians um, have 57% of Canadians have prioritized uh, in this season to shop local and to dine local. Um, and I think that we do need to take this moment to um, to take the extra time to to invest in our local businesses, uh, you know, to buy, uh, to, 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 to speak, um, you know, uh, to speak with our, with, with our, with our dollars. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, I think, 
what's going to help us, uh, you know, uh, with these businesses on the uh, get these businesses to the, to the other end. For sure. Thank you very much for that, Dax. Minister Ng, um, you, you mentioned uh, in your opening remarks that obviously you're consulting a lot. You're you're dealing with you know thousands of stakeholders um, weekly. As we just sort of go around the horn there, um, how does that feedback um, mesh and dovetail with other feedback that you've been getting um, from small business owners and other stakeholders about what still needs to be done? Well, that's very consistent. Um, what I've heard, uh, you know, from everyone who just spoke, and uh, and the work that lies ahead, and you will you you will have seen uh, some of this in uh, the fall economic statement that the deputy prime minister has put out. So that concept of the bridging that Dax talked about is very important. Um, the choice that we made was really clear. We're going to do everything we can, everything, and we will continue to do everything we can to help our businesses get through this because the price of not doing this, I think is uh, going to be much more damaging to our economy and to our, uh, to our recovery. So the, the choice for doing this is, uh, is, a, is a strategic one uh, for the economic health of the country. And this is taking the very advice from businesses who are operating to economists and to just a range of, uh, of, of experts and, uh, and just practitioners like businesses across the country but uh, but to pick up on the you know on the point of uh, of where we are going I mean we we have consistently while we put out the support program have also in parallel at the same time worked on fortifying making sure that businesses continue to be resilient I was around the world yesterday I started in the morning in Europe and I ended the day in Korea in Europe I was doing a three-day I launched a three-day uh, session to help Canadian businesses understand the opportunities in the European Union through our trade agreement and CETA. There are over a thousand businesses with me on that mission. Three weeks ago, I was in South Korea, and last night I was wrapping this up. Over 200 businesses. Just to give you sort of an order of magnitude of what the difference is today, it used to be if you were to take a, um, a you know a sort of physical trade mission, 30 businesses. So look at the magnification of of uh, businesses that are looking and continue to, uh, they're, they're either pivoting, they're either sort of thinking, hmm, can I take my business and uh, make my product or my services more accessible to the marketplace, just as Sabrina has said. So whether it is that, uh, you know, and, I, and I've got story after story after story of meeting businesses all around the country. So adapting programs, even like our TAN Expert program, where once upon a time it was really about helping you get a plane ticket to go to a trade show, now it's about making sure that have you got the right resources to make sure that you're a digital business or a you know an innovative business that you have the IT you know support that you need. Are you able to attend those virtual trade missions or those uh, virtual B2B meetings? Are you able to get those additional help to uh, to help deal with some of the COVID-related barriers and additional costs that might have come up in your effort to go digital? Like that's that's one part of sort of building that resiliency. But I don't want to take away at all from that of how important it is to keep supporting those Main Street businesses. Those Main Street businesses are the heart of our community. They employ millions of Canadians. So we have to make sure that we continue to um, offer that bridge. And I love what, uh, you know, what, what, what some have said here, which is um, if we are able to see companies scaling because of the 
new market opportunities that we are seeing emerging here because of COVID-19, you can count on this government to be there with them every single step of the way, because that is what we're trying to do as well. Build for that resilience, but at the same time, offering that bridge so that we get, uh, so that we keep people employed and working, and that our businesses continue to be the optimistic employers that, uh, you know, that Neil was just talking about. There's enormous optimism despite how hard it is. And I think it's just, we just have to do this as, as, as Team Canada. I mean, we're not in this alone. Everybody has a part. And, uh, and, and I think that that's what this has been able to show as well, that everyone, if we do all of our parts and just lean in that, that in every which way we all can and, and, and by listening and, and responding, then we will have a good shot at this uh, coming out of this. But, uh, but it isn't easy, and we're just going to have to keep doing it. I think that's a, that's a great pivot to, to my next question. I, I'm going to go through – I've got a couple more questions for our panel, and then I am going to get to um, sort of the room assembled uh, here for, for questions. Again, if you do have a question, pop it in the chat. Uh, I will be calling on a couple of people. But, Neil, I'm going to go to you. I think that um, – uh, you know, in terms of striving for that optimism, I think that's great. It's obviously an amazing goal. What data or customer feedback do you have that, that shows you about, about, like, okay, here's what's been effective relief versus here's what still needs to be done um, as the crisis continues and as we strive for, you know, as Minister Ng outlines, you know, hopefully thriving, not just sort of like, you know, existing, but thriving out of this crisis? Yeah, I think um, just sort of building on some of the points made, the I'd say in terms of effective relief, probably the one that's been the most uh, impactful, I'd say, is the uh, the Canadian Emergency Business Account program that the government put together and rolled out. Um, we've seen, we've seen broad take up of that program. We've seen great feedback about the program. It was simple to apply for, uh, simple to put that capital to use in those businesses, and it gave the entrepreneur an incentive with a partially forgivable loan if it was repaid. At the uh, the timeline specified, and, and now that's being extended. So I think, you know, in pandemic has gone on longer than than we earlier uh, had anticipated. So I think that makes an awful lot of sense. Um, that was probably you know uh, one of the most impactful. I mean, there's been almost thirty billion dollars. I think the last time I checked, of support put out for small and medium businesses through that program. The second, uh, I think the the wage subsidy program, the emergency wage subsidy program, that. The feedback we get from clients is that you know talent is always tough. A key part of success in any business is talent, and you know if they needed to lay off you know their people, getting them back, re you know resuming business when demand came back was a real concern. That program allowed them to you know keep those teams together, as the point that's been made, to give them some time to figure out where can I provide that product or service, how can I adapt, you know, and and sometimes using the two programs together to get the PPE, make the the capital adjustments to that business model and, and again have that bridge. I think that's been probably the you know the, the two strongest uh, programs we've seen. Um, in terms of government, you know, uh, non-government supports, I think the banks have done a good job early on cooperating with. I think the, the intent. I love the idea that ministering laid out in terms of Team Canada, which was you know yeah we you know, we absolutely needed to do our part and we tried to get there both for consumers but and small business owners are consumers as well who have personal mortgages. Um, but getting that deferral of those of those uh, loan payments, and there's been, uh, you know, we, we deferred about $17 billion, you know, the other peer banks have done the same. That's provided that reduction in run rate costs to give those businesses a fighting chance. So I think those are some of the, I think, the most important, what's left to be done. Um, you know, I think a lot, you know, Minister Ng talked about the extension of the supports that we've heard. I think that's going to be very welcome news. 
And we also have to keep in mind, we've learned an awful lot from the first stage of the pandemic. I think that businesses are becoming a lot more resilient. We're seeing consumer spending come back. I'm sure DAX could, uh, could provide another another turn on that. But, you know, the second wave is not as impactful as the first wave was. So our consumer behavior is changing as businesses are getting online. So we're seeing that bridge. But in the go forward, I think it gives us the opportunity to come out with solutions that are more more targeted, whether that's sector by sector that we talked about earlier, whether it's regions that are harder hit versus less hard hit. But the reality is, in small businesses, there's not a one-size-fits-all solution. Um, Sabrina, I was I was just going to you uh, to to talk about you know digital adoption and and being adaptable in this environment. So you know, case in point, um, my question to you is: is do you feel that we're doing enough to truly embrace uh, digital out of this crisis? Um, is that something that you know we're truly getting our arms around? Yeah, I think it's really important to underline this is a once in a generation digitization moment, right? Like we, we will never see this acceleration, call it 10 years and three months, five years and three months. It depends on how you look at it, but it's just a lot happening. And I do think we need to seize this moment. I mean, right now, digital is a lifeline for a lot of small businesses because it is the way that they are transacting with the measures we have in place. But moving forward, it's going to be an accelerant. Um, and I've seen all of these different opportunities. For example, Laywines in Yorkville that was all footfall into their store. It's a stationary store. And now they're finding 70% of their customers outside of Toronto. And I think a couple of people have mentioned on the panel just this, this, this untapped opportunity for export of every business right now when you open up that opportunity. Uh, you know, there's 37 million people in Canada. There's over 5 million on the web, right? If you can find your target audience through that and you can orient your supply chain and your delivery mechanisms, that's a huge, huge opportunity. But if, if you take a step back just a little bit closer, I, I just think what Neil said about, you know, half of our small businesses are not lit up with a website. I mean, one encouraging stat that I saw from the CFIB was that prior to the pandemic, it was one in every five small businesses had e-commerce enabled. Now it's come up to one in every three, right? So that's that acceleration point. It needs to be everyone. And there are so many tools right now. And, and, and I just want to say, small business owners are often not digital experts, right? They are, they are amazing at what they do, and they don't necessarily need to be. And I don't think that that's the right message I want to send. And that, that's why we're investing in Shop Here to get 50,000 businesses online, because we're pairing them up with students who want to become digital experts. And this is also an amazing learning and job opportunity for them in the future. Um, that's why we made shopping listings um, for free for all businesses on Canada on the shopping tab. That's why we have trainings, et cetera. But I think trying to remove the friction and make it easier, whether it's on Google My Business or lighting up a website or lighting up e-commerce, I think that's where we need to continue to invest in and get the word out that there are great opportunities for small businesses to take advantage of so they can focus on what they do best, which is running their businesses in a really complicated time. Dax, can, can you build off that a little bit? I mean, we're obviously in peak retail season, um, which is, you know, make or break for, for many businesses uh, across the country. Um, Build up Sabrina's thoughts a little bit. What does the future of retail and e-commerce look like for SMBs? And I think really crucially, and based on our discussion here, like how do we get there? Like how do we enable it? So, you know, omni-channel has gone from a nice-to-have uh, or a luxury to a must-have. Uh, as, as Sabrina said, it's a, it's a crucial lifeline. 
Um, uh, but as you know, as the minister um, you know alluded to, this will build bigger businesses in the future. Uh, I have a great example of um, of a of a marketplace that's a holiday marketplace called Soup, um, started by an amazing uh, local entrepreneur named Azamit. And uh, this is a this is a uh, a, a marketplace of, uh, of of local producers that's uh, been going on. This is the seventeenth edition. Um, but as opposed to being able to do it in this uh, this amazing space that they that they usually are able to, you know, uh, we've been able to power that so that 70, 70 of these vendors can uh, can put seven hundred products, but not just to the local Montreal market. Now it's to the world, uh, and and uh, and incorporating some physical um, activity, you know, that's socially distanced in this period and uh, uh, into that, um, people are thinking, uh, you know, they're they're thinking in terms of omnichannel. They're thinking about how do I connect, uh, you know, with the new consumer uh, in different ways. So I think the, the the face of business has changed forever. We've rolled out uh, a number of different tools that we're seeing businesses used ultra creatively. Um, you know, uh, we we love, of course, uh, the idea of recurring revenue as a software business. Um, but what about for a retail business? You know, what about them being able to offer um, gift boxes or um, or or, um, or or memberships to, to classes in in, uh, in their retail store um, to to use those gifts? So that's those are things that we've rolled out, and that there's other examples. But it's the creativity of business that's going to uh, that I believe um, is the true gift of Omnichannel. That later, what you know, when they when they've embraced it, that they'll be able to to build much more diverse and resilient businesses. I think that's that's great. You're getting lots of nods around the room here, which is which is great. Um, Tabitha, I, I, I want to go to you before we go to questions from from the audience. Um, you know, you and I have spoken many times and uh, about this, and uh, based on some of the feedback you're hearing today, and, and some of the, the programs and optimism for how we move to greater resilience. As we're doing that, how do we ensure that Indigenous businesses and entrepreneurs are not getting lost in the shuffle, that we're very intentional as plot recovery for SMBs and bring Indigenous entrepreneurs and businesses along? Thanks. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it definitely needs to be a whole-of-government solution. So oftentimes an Indigenous business or, or us in an Indigenous association um, get, get pushed towards Indigenous Services Canada. Um, anytime, you know, when we're talking to other ministries across organization, across government about programs um, and program rollouts, um, it's often, you know, back into Indigenous Services Canada. And I think, you know, Indigenous businesses and, and supporting Indigenous businesses and the unique needs and requirements of them with respect to taxation, with respect to access to financing, and only about 33% of Indigenous businesses in Canada um, finance through a major bank. So the emergency business account um, didn't really work initially for a lot of those businesses. There was an additional funding rolled out of $303 million through Aboriginal financial institutions, which was such a welcome funding. But with this now extension of the emergency business account, that had the analogous extension hasn't happened on that other program. And that's again where we have to kind of go back and try to ask for that. So we're really pushing for a whole of government strategy for Indigenous businesses. Um, and, and of course, you know, we really need to be ensuring that we're having the supports to close those gaps, to allow businesses to take advantage of, of the digital programs that are out there. And, and we have a number of businesses um, through our work with Google that are, that are taking advantage of shop here. 
um, which is excellent and, and, you know, just helping to build that awareness as well in the Indigenous community, which, you know, is a big part of what we do. Um, Tabitha, thank you very much. Um, I'm now going to go to questions from the audience. We've got about 20 minutes left, and, and there was some some pre-submitted, and they're really good. Um, so we're, we're going to go to it. And the first person I'm actually going to call upon is uh, Tariq Al-Barwani, um, who's the owner of, of Plenty. Tariq, are you are you with us? Hey, Alex. How you doing? Good, good. Thank you very much. Okay, you've, uh, you've got the floor, and I'll, uh, I'll direct uh, your question from, from there. Yeah, thanks. <clears throat> Thank you very much, um, and I appreciate all the information you've given from the panel. So, um, I'll quickly introduce what we do. So, um, Plenty is a business here in Toronto, it's right in Parkdale. Uh, we started out as a brick and mortar business, so we had a uh, actually physical location store where we served beverages from scratch. We created teas, um, and it was, it was it was great experience. You know, we're part of the Parkdale community. People love what we do. Um, we relied mostly on footfall, so we did have. <clears throat> We did have an online presence, but honestly, it was just a single page that said, hey, we're plenty, we're here, come visit us. Right? So it wasn't anything too uh, spectacular. We had a Google My Business page. So it was very basic, and um, and basically, I uh, um, we were okay with that because most of our business, um, we relied on foot traffic, right? So fast forward towards um, COVID, um, we actually started 2016, um, March of, and uh, uh, actually February of 2020, is when you know um, business started shut down, and um, we start we, we immediately saw a huge drop, right? So because we relied on businesses that were in their area to the employees that worked there used to come in and spend time in the morning, you know, picking up their teas, hanging out, having meetings, so all that kind of died out, and uh, we were we saw a huge drop off. But what was interesting was that we started to get a lot of um, uh, interest in our retail fees. So we also sold retail fees on top of beverages. And uh, we got a lot of people um, um, coming in, asking, you know, sending us messages. So uh, we wanted to go online. Thankfully, the Shop Your program came on board, and the Shop Your program is awesome. Uh, we took, we had, we went from basically no e-commerce to an e-commerce website within, I think, about a week. Um, so the guy who helped us out was, was awesome there as well, and he gave us the opportunity to actually step out of the brick and mortar, which we had to close down because of the low, um, low footfall. And we went purely online. So my question is that um, um, it was great that we provided Shop Your Now program. I'm actually part of the Future Group program, which is the part, second part of the Shop Your Now program. My question is for the long term, because I see in like let's say a year from now, when I want to scale up, I want to go, um, you know, into other other markets, you know, um, into the U.S., Europe. What um, what plans are they for um, more educational resources provided to businesses that went through the program already to help them scale up so that we can take our Canadian businesses to, to, to even more for uh, more physical, more presence in the worldwide uh, arena, right? Because most people will start in Canada and they want to expand outwards. So what kind of educational um, tools would be given to our small businesses? I think, I think that's... Skills? Yeah, I, I think I think that's a that's a great question, and thank you for sharing part of your your story as well, um, Minister Ng. I, I'd like to go to you first, actually, um, and uh, and then maybe I'll I'll bring a couple other people in. But uh, Minister Ng. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Uh, thanks uh, for uh, that, Tariq, as well. Um, I mean, the digital, uh, the uh, the shop here program, digital mainstream. I mean, this is uh, you know the government uh, is supporting that because. 
we just know how important it is to help our businesses uh, make that transition and to do that adoption. And um, and I think Sabrina and others said it. I mean, the rate of adoption is uh, is really uh, that very unique opportunity right now because of COVID-19. You also heard me say that yesterday. I had a thousand businesses with me to uh, to you know into Europe, and uh, and another uh, you know 200 and some odd businesses into South Korea. So Canada is very well placed because we have access to about 65% of the world's economy. We're the only G7 country that has a free trade agreement with every other G7 country. But to small and medium-sized businesses, when you sort of say, well, you know, we've got these free trade agreements, by and large, small businesses do not talk to me or haven't in the past about, you know, tell me about that, uh, those new, you know, the new agreement that you have with the, uh, you know, through CPTPP. So the whole point about it is that, but why are those important? It's because it creates like there are agreements between countries. So the rules that you need to work within in those countries, your government's already done that for you by negotiating these free trade agreements. What does it mean? A billion and a half customers to Canadian businesses right now. So you're absolutely right, Tariq. I mean, making, helping you and businesses like you think about beyond the Canadian borders is absolutely my job. Um, that is why my title does not fit on a business card because it's so darn long. It is small business, it's to promote exports, and it is to do international trade. But all this is to say is that I've got to help everybody, those businesses that already are operating globally, to get an even bigger market share as Canadian businesses. I'd love to see more companies that are scaling and growing and growing into that international marketplace like those, like Dax's company and many others. I'd love to see more IPOs grounded and anchored in Canada because that creates jobs. And I'd love to see more businesses like yours and others that can take their, take your uniqueness and put it into that global marketplace. So that work is very much well, well underway. It is uh, well before this pandemic. I mean, I was appointed the Minister of Small Business Export Promotion and International Trade. So we were already on that road. And during COVID-19, uh, it really is putting that Canada trade toolbox together. So I've got a very, very strong toolbox. It has trade commissioners where I've got, you know, presence in 160 countries. Canada has, 100, has presence in 160 countries with a team of people who I call our best business development, sales, and solutions people on the ground to help businesses be successful. I have, I have the capability of the Business Development Bank that will help uh, with, uh, with lending, Export Development Canada that will help with sort of, you know, insurance when you, when you go into exporting, and sort of country to country, um, you know, sort of contracting capabilities through, uh, through the Canadian Commercial Corporation. So, so we have we have sort of robust tools, and my job is to point those all to Canadian businesses so that we can get to that growth. But I want to sort of pick, I just want to say one thing. I mean, which I you know which I think is really important. During COVID nineteen, we cannot lose the gains that we have made around inclusive growth. Capita has said it, and we have we're on that road but we can always continue to do a better job so that we are so that we are including and making sure that those barriers and the systems that are in place are not a barrier to the success of our people the the more black entrepreneurs that are successful the more indigenous entrepreneurs that are successful young business owners racial, like i mean you know new immigrant business owners we've got to make sure that they all are supported in the same way uniquely as well, so that we can get to that economic prosperity. So I want to be, you know, I, you know, I, I, I think it's important to make sure that we are that we don't ever ever lose sight of that because we've got to make sure that everyone gets to participate in our economy and in that growth. 
Minister Ang, th thank you very, very much. I, I think that um, uh, I, 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 I want to quickly get some thought there from Sabrina, because I, I think that education is going to be such a key part of that inclusivity agenda. And I know you've got a, a, a big platform to do, do that, Sabrina. Yeah. So any sort of brief thoughts and reflections? Yeah, thank you, Tariq. And just a big plug, I'm drinking the uh, Plenty Earl Grey right now. It is fantastic. And um, just as in terms of thank supporting you. our local thank businesses, maybe your friend on this call can find some for Christmas because it's wonderful. And your website is fantastic. And I just think it's so wonderful that you took advantage of Shop Here. I'm just going to quickly outline three areas where you, I think you can get the skills, the training, the advice that you need so you can focus on running your business and be digitally excellent, which you are well on your way. So it's amazing. First thing is, is that when you're a graduate of shop here, you get a free one-to-one -one consultation with a Google expert. Um, we have so many people who are passionate about helping businesses of all sizes, and that is like they're going to help you and talk to you about how to drive traffic to your web website, etc. Second thing is, is Market Finder. So this is a tool that you put in your website, and it tells you where your addressable marketplace is all over the world. I mean, Minister Ng just talked about 1.5 billion and beyond, right? And then it will allow you to see where you can actually plug into markets beyond that. There are two other resources that are really valuable. Um, one of them is the Small Business Hub by Google. So if you just Google that, you'll find it. And there's a whole bunch of free resources, including, once again, you put in your website and you get a customized plan and a recommendation for growing your business. And then another one, which is my personal favorite, is Grow With Google. And what we've done here is outsourced all the educational and skill growing, and I'm super passionate about growing digital skills. And I think it's so critical for Canada because digital is an economic engine for Canada and a workforce that has digital skills, whether it's small businesses or large corporations, is critical for our growth. And if there's many of the trainings that we do ourselves at Google outsource for everybody to use. So those are my three top picks. Um, I love the list. I love a nice itemized list. That's great. Thank you, Serena. Um, and thank you, uh, Tariq, for your question. Uh, I'm next going to call upon uh, Kareen Pullman uh, from CFIB. Kareen, are you with us? I am. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. For allowing me to have a chance to ask the question. And thanks for all for your remarks as well. Um, I think Sabrina noted earlier some of our research, but I will sort of reiterate a little bit of it. But our research has actually found that about 152,000 businesses have actually adopted e-commerce during uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, and that actually brings up to about one-third, as was mentioned earlier, up from about 18% prior to the pandemic. And interestingly enough, the top e-commerce adapters have been those hit hardest, so those in the hospitality, recreation, retailers, arts, um, health businesses, for example, and while one in five are telling us that they're going to increasingly rely on online services to survive, about a quarter are actually finding that using e-commerce, is, is they're still struggling to generate revenue using the e-commerce system that they have. So my question is, um, you know, there are still many businesses uh, that are struggling, and there are many businesses that also have not Believe, do not yet believe that they can really benefit or have adopted e-commerce um, or other digital solutions. So what advice would you have for those that are struggling to get revenue or those that maybe don't believe at this point that digital solutions are the answer for them? What advice would you have for them uh, in order to, to look at this as a solution to their business? Because I think that's going to be key to sort of turn more people in that direction. And I think that's um, where I would love to see the panel's reaction to. 
Corinne, thank you very much for that question. Minister Ng, I'm going to go to you, and then I think I'll, I'll quickly bring in Dax as well for, for that. So, Minister Ng. So I really do believe uh, in uh, the power of just be it to be it. And I know how difficult and how hard it is for so many businesses. And when you are uh, when you are trying to figure out how the heck to survive this, it's very hard to also dig even further to figure out how do I now, you know, what else can I be doing to pivot my business or to bring in some additional revenue line? And, and how do I know anything about, you know, about digital? Like I've, I mean, I, I just don't know it. I mean, it's never what I, it's, it's all I know. So that's why, that's why the digital industry, that's why the shop here program, I mean, is something that the government is supporting. In addition to a range of other initiatives, I mean, you know, we're, 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 we're going to look for partners. I mean, to make sure that we're doing this uh, as best as we can locally in, uh, you know, across communities. But if I just look at, you know, the notes that are in front of me, I mean, whether it is a educational company that has turned their, you know, their, their, their STEM curriculum into a e you know, an e-commerce curriculum or the, you know, or the uh, fabric and sewing store that was, that is all foot traffic, everything, and have changed that to a, you know, to a, a, uh, a couvrerie in, uh, in Quebec where, you know, you've got these great women-owned businesses that are not having people visit their couvrerie. I mean, it's a, it's a tourist attraction, but, uh, but, but finding and changing experiences through, you know, through, uh, through, uh, you know, through a digital experience or be a, you know, B2B match, which is this terrific, uh, you know, Canadian black-owned business geared to helping other businesses connect. So you're seeing, you're seeing these incredible examples. And I think that uh, what I would love, uh, you know, to, to do is to partner with, with, uh, with, with others to find a way so that we can show it, feature it, develop that capability so that those very businesses can see that kind of lifeline to that future, you know, that future prosperity of their business. Dax, I'll, I'll bring you in. Um, what yeah. are your thoughts? So I, I think that uh, what, one thing that we've learned, uh, you know, through through the pandemic is that digital solutions are not one size fits all. And I think that uh, if, I, if we, we just looked at the hospitality businesses, you know, over the course of many months, of course, you know, delivery was uh, was an initial option that we had. But later, you know, some businesses it was more appropriate to have an order ahead and and a, and a takeout. Uh, other businesses uh, that were fine dine couldn't do delivery. They they, they wanted to um, to sell merchandise online, and we rolled out e-com for restaurants. So that's just a, an example that um, you know certain certain digital channels. Uh, it might be a mix of digital channels, or it might be some that are, that work for some businesses and others that don't. But there is the the bigger issue of like how do we raise how do how do we get traffic to those digital channels? Uh, so Lightspeed's been working with Google and others to to make sure that 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 these small businesses that are new to digital also, when they've lit up these channels and it's the right fit, and they've got they've got channels that are right that are the right fit, that they get um, that they get the that they get the necessary traffic to make those viable channels. And then I think it's over time uh, and, and and good connections with with social channels um, that people can really build the business. But it's a different mindset, and it's a um, and it's one that I think successful new businesses are gonna are, are going are going to take. Um, thank you, Dax, for your question. Thank you. Or sorry, thank you, Dax, for your answer. Thank you, Corinne, for your question. I have five minutes left. I am going to try to do two questions here. Okay, so we're going to be quick uh, about this. I am going to call upon uh, Karen Shuett, uh, the uh, founder of Livestock. Karen, do we have you? Hi there. I'm here. I'm going to Perfect. just. I'll quickly run through. 
Um, ministering, I was on your CETA call yesterday, so um, I want to say that uh, we are a small ag tech business uh, working in Calgary, working on the global challenge of livestock manure, and that includes assistance for our struggling meat processing industry right now. Uh, we've never seen a more complicated time for our industry in ag and in livestock, um, dairy farms, and so I want to first off thank you for the wage subsidies. We've been able to retain a large amount of our manufacturing staff and our engineers. But as we look to this as a once-in-a-lifetime digital opportunity, how can we use the upcoming subsidies and funding to attract and retain top tech talent? We've struggled at the best of times, and manure isn't the sexiest industry you can get into. So um, we're looking to grow in the future, and in, uh, in the upcoming year, we're looking to export to the EU and the Middle East, and uh, we're looking for help from our Canadian government for that. Minister Eng, this is this is squarely in your wheelhouse, attracting <laughs> talent, promotion. It, it covers the gambit. So I'll, I'll let you take this. Yeah, you know what, uh, and I'm certainly happy to follow up uh, and talk about it uh, even more online or offline because I know two minutes won't do it. But uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, even before the pandemic, I mean, skills and skills and skills and talent was what I heard from businesses, of whatever's the size, right? I mean, and it's absolutely crucial, which is why we have a fairly robust, you know, sort of skills attractive strategy. Global skills was one of those pieces. I can't hear good, enough good things about it just because it actually is about bringing really terrific talent in quickly, um, you know, through our immigration system. You're hearing that, uh, that you know, my, my colleague, the immigration minister, I mean, increase the uh, levels because we do want that talent and people want to come, like, people want to be in Canada. Canada has a terrific, terrific brand. So whether it's international students to global skills, which are people that sort of at, at, at other levels of, uh, you know, of, uh, of, of that skills, uh, you know, continuum, it's it's exceedingly exceedingly important. Uh, young people is where I think we all need to put that energy around ensuring that we develop that future capability. And uh, and I you know there's a there's a couple of examples. I mean I think about Tuskus, who actually is also located in Alberta and it's an agri food business, and they do traceability. And they that was one of the things that they talked to me about when I met them a couple of years ago about how difficult it was to get talent. And for them, you know through uh, you know, through, uh, you know, sort of some of these programs, it, you know, they've been able to attract the world-class talent. Because I think we have, we have, uh, we have what others want, but there really is that talent and that opportunity to sort of bring it in and then connect it to, uh, connect to the companies. But up to here is where I would sort of make a plug around what we are doing. My colleagues and I really do do everything we can to work on a whole of government. So I don't think about business without talking to my colleagues even. You know, Minister Faltro, which is really about people. Nor do I talk about, you know, not talk about, the, you know, with Treasury Board to say, listen, these regulations, I got, we got to do something here. So we, we're, we're, you know, we are in this period where, um, you know, governments are not exactly known to be, you know, limber, nimble, whatever. I mean, necessarily, but this has proven that we can be, and you've seen the government do this in the course of COVID nineteen. Um, and my appeal to everyone is keep working with us because. Um, you know, because we, wherever we can make some of those gains, we're going to build on them and we're going to try to adapt them and, and, uh, and make them even better. Uh, uh, Corinne, that was a fantastic question to, to end on. It's really a fantastic response to end on. Um, 
know you've got a hard out on this campus as well. So I uh, I want to first off thank you, Minister, for your time today. I want to thank you for the time of, uh, of our panelists. I want to thank people who tuned in today. We really appreciate it. We're going to be doing more of this in Canada. Thank you very much. Okay.